Insider. This is another thing that a lot of investors are unaware of. There's got to be an easier way. With Jim Metzke. It's achievable for anyone. It doesn't cost anything to set up a business. Because there are many great ideas out there, but it's the people that make ideas happen. Because once you unlock this formula, you, there's no reason to stop. Yeah. You just get better and better at it. You just make so much money out of it. Welcome back to Accounting Insider. I'm Andrew Montessi with Kim Nitschke. Kim, it's been a while, mate. There was no excuses, really. Just the busyness of life. I know. thought we were going to give a big list of excuses as to I why. can. Should we start at the top? Yeah. Well, holidays. Um, you do have a very full holiday life. Yeah, my kids have been playing loads and loads of cricket, so... I've been taking them to training, taking them to games. It's like cricket every night of the week, I reckon. And then, you know, social engagements. I went away for a week on holidays mm-hmm. and back into the swing of things now with school. I, I pretty much took all the school holidays off. I was mm-hmm. at work for maybe one to two hours a day and then I was at home for the rest of the day. So I had an awesome break, didn't really go away, and that's the beauty of living at a really nice house where – um, I, the week that I did go away for, the whole caravan site that I stayed on probably would have fit on my front deck at my house. <laughs> and I've got 20 acres, so I'm, I'm there thinking, what am I doing? And so for the rest of the time, I just stayed at home and, you know, with a 20-acre with a property with grass lawns and beautiful gardens and a pool. It's like staying at a resort anyway. Just living the dream. I was living the dream and I got to do all those jobs that I've always been too busy to get around to. And I relaxed, read the paper, didn't get to the point of reading books, but listened to heaps of podcasts and just really enjoyed my time at home with the kids. Good on you. It was awesome. So, but apologies. And we have tried to actually hook up. Yeah. No excuses. Part of it's been my fault. It has been your fault for the last three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit unlike me, mate, to be honest. And then we'd say we'd catch up on the weekends, but it just never works. So business hours work best for both of us. Let's just make it happen. Let's just... Let's just draw a line in the sand and say we're going to focus. Yeah. Um, you've got a big pool of subscribers who've been screaming at you for more content, so let's actually deliver. Where we go. All right. Now, we're going back to a, to a topic that um, we've spoken about a little bit throughout the show, social media, but we're going to go a little bit deeper um, and you're going to share, us, share with us what you've learned about a number of platforms so in terms of the list of bits and pieces that you've tried, some you've invested heavily in, sometimes some of them you've had a bit of a play with, let's start with one that you put a fair bit of hard work into and a fair bit of coin as well, YouTube. Well, this is a disaster. <laughs> disaster? Yes, <laughs> it was a disaster. Cool. There's no way of getting away from that. Um, I thought that I could make a huge success of just more or less just every day in my life. Mm. I thought people would go nuts over that. Probably I was thinking of the Chinese guys mm. over there sitting in cubicles. You know, And you realise you're just not cool enough. <laughs> and then, so we, we shot, I think it was 42 videos. And I, had, I took on a full-time videographer and it wasn't cheap. And it takes so long to make a great YouTube video. I just underestimated the, the magnitude of the product. So I we, hate to say I told you so. Well, yes. Okay. But I had to learn the hard way. Yeah, no, of course. And, you know, we would shoot for a day and then he would edit for three days and we'd end up with a 10-minute video. 
So think of all the lost time opportunity and the physical cost out of my pocket. Like it was take, dragging me out of my business. So I'm, I'm pushing customers back or making excuses for going into meetings late, stuffing around in the office, being a YouTube star, walking down the street with a camera in your face, which is sort of looks a bit weird. It's all right if you're Gary V and you're living in <laughs> well, Silicon Valley. Well, I was modelling myself on Gary V. And I was, exp- I was aiming for probably 5,000 views a day. We were aiming for a, a video a day. The best we got was three a week. Some of those videos are only up to 50 views. I checked last night. One of them was on five. <laughs> And then in the end, our best video was a video that we ripped off some other guy in the States and it was the, I don't know, the seven tips for buying your first home, something like that. It wasn't really what we wanted to do, but I knew it back to front. Yeah. So we just shot the video. Last night, that was 5,500 views, mm. which for me is huge, but I, still ha- I think I still have to hit 10,000 to be able to advertise on YouTube before they even invite you. Mm. And so the idea of that was that I would become a rock star, uh, you know, a video sensation, YouTube star, and that the advertising royalties from the videos would pay for JB's wage. <laughs> All credit to you for, for thinking big. Like, I'm just going to say, like, this is what I love about you is you'll have a crack. And I you, did, and you you think big picture, and you set lofty goals, mm. mate. Because that's that's how you actually get things done. Yeah. So I didn't listen to anyone. Everyone tried to talk me out of it. Mm. I probably should have listened to him in hindsight. But what I learned was tremendous. Uh, I've realised I've got a face for radio. <laughs> <laughs> um, I and like the the to to be successful on YouTube was pushing me down a path I didn't want to go down you know, which is basically ripping off other successful viral videos and doing my slant on them. And I, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to talk about what I was good at yeah. and what I do every day and yeah. there wasn't a market for that. Let me – can I be so bold as to take the mic and just share a few thoughts? You're in control. <laughs> um, so it's, it's just funny because this video stuff is a really interesting one. I get people asking me about it all the time. I, I met with a new client of mine the other night um, – we were having a beer at the pub and he's launched, they're launching a, a new property company. He's saying, oh, people are telling me you've got to do video, you've got to do video. And I just keep getting people asking the same question. Remember when you asked me about it? The thing is, it's always like, like YouTube went nuts five to ten years ago, early days. It's like the early adopters thing. It was mm-hmm. the same with blogging and bloggers. If you get in early, you reap the rewards. It's kind of past that point now where it's super competitive there's so much content out there um and to get noticed like you can produce great content but it's actually discovery which is a problem like the i don't have the stats on me but the amount of video content sitting on youtube it's ridiculous it's billions of hours just to be discovered is impossible almost without investing in that strategy so you're investing in producing great content and that was expensive. Then you've actually really should be investing more dollars into growing it. And it's unsustainable. Well, so then when I say, that's what I say to the, these clients of mine, I say, for what you've got to invest into it, mm. 
like stack it up, like look at the value, compare it to what you would have to spend to get clients through your long lunches that you do, mate, mm. or mm. podcasting or investing in blogging on your site. And you stack it up, you stack up everything you do in marketing and go, is it actually great value? And for me, video video has an enormous cost to do it well. You can't, we're at the point now where you used to be able to put up pretty crappy videos like mm. five years ago and, you know, it doesn't matter if it's a bit wobbly or whatever. These days we're so used to quality video now that people will just turn off straight away if it's not decent, if it's not well produced. So you covered that box. But to do that, as you said, it's hours, hours of editing time, mm. huge expense, your own time. So I'd budgeted for him, but I hadn't factored in what it would cost me yeah. out of taking me for a day or three days a week effectively out of my role in the business. Mm-hmm. So that has a huge cost and I underestimated that. And I reckon the quality of our videos was not that far off Gary V. I mean, I'm biased obviously, but I reckon a couple of them, I've, I've rewatched them time and time again and they almost bring me to tears. Like they, the, Like JB was just amazing, way underrated. Like he was just so good at his craft and I, I, we'd do a video and I'd sit down with him and we'd editing it together and he'd review it before he posted it with me and I'd just look at him and I'd go, you are just so good at this. Mm. And yet the world didn't think so. Mm. We got zero traction. Yeah, It's a saturated market. There's too many players in it. We could not penetrate into it. And it doesn't just happen. When you're starting with an audience base of zero, mm. It's a, you need to invest an incredible amount in terms of building that audience. And comparing it to the podcast, and we'll, cut, we'll come to the podcast later, but you really have to be focused. If I'm watching a YouTube video, I need to be alert, awake, uninterrupted. Um, you know, it, it, it requires a lot of concentration of the viewer to watch it, whereas podcasts, you can be in the car, you can. It's why I'm obsessed with podcasts. Yeah. I'm obsessed with voices. Audio. Everything you can be doing something else. It saves time. That's what I've learned. Yeah. So it's a secondary you can be making activity. Dinner and listening to a podcast, and you don't miss any of it. You yep. absorb 100. percent Whereas yep. a video, you have to stop preparing dinner and watch it. Mate, bang on. Yep. So that's it's it's why audio. It's the edge that audio has above every other content is you can consume content as a secondary activity, and that's just gold. But it's almost gone full, full circle, hasn't it? Because like the radio came into play. And everyone was in a radio. And then we had TV mm. and YouTube, but now we're back to radio, which is podcast. Mm. Yeah. Aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I've heard with Gary Vee talking about it too, that he's saying, you know, he'll, he'll do a keynote and he'll be talking to the audience and he'll say, okay, how many have stopped watching my YouTube and gone to my podcast? And there'll be a large percentage of the audience mm. suggesting that they've moved away mm. from that onto that. Yeah. In terms of... Learning content for me, like you know, my, I've got a background in TV, and that's kind of what I used to do. And I, 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 I will not sit there and watch a fifteen-minute YouTube clip, even if it's someone that I'm really interested in. Like I don't have the time or the no. focus to do that. I need to be listening to audio while I'm doing something else. Yeah, that's it. So, interesting. so YouTube was difficult, very <laughs> difficult. Cost but, me a lot. So JB started, I think, in April, and then he ended up leaving well we decided in november the 15th last year that we'd thrown everything at it and we could not get traction and he it was really good because he said to me you know i don't have anything against you i just realized that we tried everything mm. and it just you know and i think it's good to admit that not everything works that's the beauty of social yeah. media like 
Um, you can try it all because it's relatively cheap. Something will work and something won't work and it's time to sort of move on from that yeah. and, and pursue the avenues that open up because there's certainly opportunities there Mate, but it's not what you think initially. And we should all be continually testing and trying new marketing tactics all the time. The thing is even say we discover something that really works like podcasting. You don't want to get too comfortable and build your whole practice around one marketing channel because all of a sudden iTunes changes something about it or it becomes more competitive. It's not as valuable anymore and you've overinvested in one channel and then you're going to struggle. Like I think you just got to be constantly testing, um, maybe not to an extent where you have to lose a lot of money and invest well, a lot into it, but I, you, don't know, you don't know what you don't know. That's right. So how much... How much do you reckon you lost? Um, well, I think I probably poured about thirty-five grand into it. But as we'll learn coming up, like moving through this podcast, I didn't exactly lose that. No, um, it was a physical cost, but there were side benefits that came out of that whole experience, yep. which were tremendous. Yeah, and even now, it's still on YouTube. Exactly, it's still working for you. And Often. people feel like it was posted yesterday, even though they can see it was posted. And this is the thing: six if, you, ago. if you're producing evergreen content that's not going to date, it's an investment, and you will continue to get some sort of return from it. I've got clients who've you know written blogs, and you're the, you're one of them. Blogs that we would have put together a couple of years ago will continue to deliver leads for you now and into the future. It's an investment. You pay at an initial cost, but it keeps working for you. Mm. Yeah. Now, I have noticed uh, Kim Nitschke appear on Instagram mm. recently. I've been holding off from joining up with Instagram just because I thought it was for kids. <laughs> <laughs> but I have a new customer who has 400,000 um, subscribers. Followers. Followers. And so I thought I'd put my tie in the water with Instagram. But... Um, so I've put up, I don't know, 10 posts and I've got 100 followers. I mean, it's, it's such infancy compared to what you're doing. But from my experience, which is always good to get someone else's perspective on this, I don't think it's going to go anywhere. I think that it's just sort of fun to put up really amazing looking photographs of what you're doing or what you're interested in just to keep your circle of friends up to date with where you're at and what you're doing and... and um, like so, I I really love photography. I got offered a job as a full time photographer when I before I finished school, mm-hmm. and I really wanted to go down that track. But my parents talked me into doing accounting, so I went down the accounting track. And I'm glad I did because they said, you know, you're intelligent, you're getting good marks at school. Go down that and do your photography as a hobby. But I always sort of thought photography would be a bit more for me than that. Mm-hmm. But I guess Instagram now is being a chance for me to take really good quality photographs and upload them onto a platform that people can appreciate them. Mm-hmm. I think it helps if you're a young 20-year-old female and you're taking photos of yourself in bikinis on the beach. Like I think that's totally Instagram. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that just takes off and I, that's all a bit weird because of all the comments and, and, and I'm never going to be in that space. So um, I think that what I'm interested in, not everyone else is going to be interested in. Um, 
So I'm just doing it more as a sort of like f- self-fulfillment sort of yeah. thing. Personal, more than Yeah, business. personal. For, for my own enjoyment because I like doing it and I, I love the quality of a good photograph and I like being able to share that with people and I like mm-hmm. being able to edit it on my phone. You know, I went around with my Canon 70D taking photos, but it was just too hard. Yeah. You know, lugging that around in the car everywhere. And half the time I couldn't be bothered just getting it out and setting it mm-hmm. all up. By that time I'd done that, I'd miss the photo opportunity or I'd have to get it redone by the person who would actually, you know, like say if someone was posing for a photograph or I saw an animal or whatever. Well, not with much of an animal, but with humans, it'd have to say, oh, can you do that again so I can get mm. a photograph of it? So whereas with the iPhone, it's always in your pocket. Mm. Just rip it out, take the photo. It's always going to be in portrait. You mm. can't do anything in landscape on Instagram. And then you've got the app where you can edit it and upload it and say something quirky or funny. Or... So that's where it's at. That's what I'm doing at the moment. I'll just continue to do that and see how it goes. I'm just prodding in that area and just testing the space. It's... Um... It's interesting times with Instagram. So Instagram has become the the platform which is at the centre of influencer marketing. So I don't know if you've looked mm. much into influencer marketing, but this is just a raw estimate. They reckon that Instagram in itself is a billion-dollar market for influencers at the moment. It's up to a billion just Instagram, and that is outside of Instagram advertising. This is influencers. This is uh, like that this customer is, of mine. This is she Sony. gets paid. Yeah, this is Sony paying an eighteen-year-old kid with half a million followers a thousand bucks and giving him a set of headphones to post about it on Instagram. Yeah, that yeah. is now a billion-dollar market through my the company Pixstar. Like people are paying big money for athletes to post on Instagram products promotions anything and everything there's whole web there's whole platforms now built around this influencer space so tribe is another big one who've raised millions of dollars from investors to commercialize the influencer space so it's a different world but there's been a lot of criticism in that influencer marketing at its core should be perfect because we all want people of influence to be promoting our businesses and services when it's authentic but there's a problem with that authenticity piece. There's no now. authenticity. There's no authenticity. They don't even know because of bots. They don't even know if a person's follower is actually real. Yeah. So I don't know if you read the New York Times story, but they did a big sting on a company uh, in the States that produced 60, 60 million fake Twitter profiles that high-profile people were purchasing followers that they could commercialise. Like I'm talking high-profile politicians, uh, celebrities, actors have been buying followers because A, it makes them look better, boosts their ego, but it's actually a commercial reality now. Brands are paying them, assuming that they've got legit followers. So it's interesting space. So where I see with that and the business perspective is really me taking – Someone taking a photo of me and then you post the Gary V style again where you put in some sort of non-cliche verse on your photo or a caption. Yeah. A, a caption. A caption or a, um, yeah, like some sort of typography over the photo that's inspirational. Yeah, People yeah, go, absolutely. Oh, lovely, like the post, reshare it. You know, loving the grind or, yeah. you know, all of that stuff. Well, so it's not really me. Again, it goes back to my earlier point as well about 
being an early adopter. Again, if you're jumping on right now, trying to become an Instagram influencer, it's really difficult because yep. they've changed the algorithm now. It's harder to get visibility. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't bother. Okay. Pass. Podcasts. Yeah, well, this has been touched on it. Yeah, this has been really good for me. Like, um, we started two years ago, and I probably initially I was disappointed in the traction that we got. Just you know, we'd be we'd be high fiving ourselves getting hundred people listening. You know, wouldn't we? <laughs> we'd be texting ourselves after twenty four hours. Now it's just I don't know how, but um, thank you to the audience. But we've now got a loyal following mm. um it, it, it's really getting traction i guess it's I, f- I find that i guess i've been told a number of times i've got the gift of the gab so it just fits well with my personality mm. it's uh once after we bumbled our way through the first five episodes i felt comfortable having a microphone in my hand mm. and now i know that before i go and record a podcast I've got to have a clear idea in my head where it's going to go, what stories I'm going to tell, and all of that. So I've got that sort of all down pat now. Mm-hmm. Interviewing people, well, that's been a new experience in itself. But by the by, it's been really important for me to establish myself as a thought leader in the accounting space um, via podcast. Mm-hmm. And the traction that I've got out of it has been um, gaining slow momentum, but it's at a point now where um, I'll get an email at least two or three times a week with someone globally who's listened to it, who's really loved it, and is just encouraging me. It's hardly – well, there hasn't ever been any negative feedback, and I guess that's when you're actually recording it. That's what is foremost in your mind, thinking that what are people going to say if I say this? Mm. But it hasn't been any of that, which has been great. So I can't speak highly enough about the podcast thing, but I think that it's probably – you've got to have – you've got to have a flair for that. It's not going to work it for everyone. But it, but it's certainly worked for me. Yeah, and I've been blown away at how quickly. Well, it's taken two years, but we, we've just consistently gone at it. Even we haven't we've got. Mm. So the first six months, I think we were just hell bent on watching the numbers. But after that, we just let it go, and yeah. we just did it because we enjoyed it. Yeah, and that's been good because since then we've got better at our craft, and the yep. audience has just organically grown. Yeah, and you're getting the right people listening, and I think yep. that's the great thing about podcasts. Is podcast has. For professional services in particular, it's an awesome resource because it's it's a great audience. So podcast listeners are typically uh, learners, leaders, influential. They're listening to podcasts because they want to they want to get better mm, at mm. what they, whatever they do. Yeah, and they they're constantly learning. They love consuming information. And from a marketing perspective. If you if your if your target audience is the the higher end, then it's the perfect place to be. If you're targeting tradies, no disrespect to the tradies listening, or or people who who might not be as as focused in this space, um, it's going to be a little bit harder, for sure. A lot of this stuff, it's about knowing your audience, isn't it? And, and I think the audience, if you're authentic and you've got your own style, and you you. you you know, you grow in that space, then they grow with you and it doesn't really matter. That's what I'm learning. If you look mm. at the numbers, it doesn't really matter what I'm talking mm. about. Mm. People tune in yeah, because they're the same mindset as me yeah. and anything that I find interesting, they're typically going to find interesting as well. Yeah. So it's been really good. Like just an example of where it's all going. Like last week I got a bottle of wine that arrived in the mail. 
Dan Murphy's with card from a listener from Melbourne just said, I love your work. Um, you know, enjoy this at Gaucho's with your next meal. <laughs> you know? And it was just Brilliant. that sort of stuff happens yeah. on a regular basis. How classic was it? Remember when you got the, the handwritten letter? Or from Papua New Guinea. From Papua New Guinea. Yeah. Uh, you've had some, some pretty big-name clients come on board as well. Absolutely. And it's just been great for my profile because now we've got – Everything that we do, any new idea that I've got, I like to roll into my podcast and the audience um, has appreciated it. Yeah. And they've, you know, um, they are a loyal bunch of people who like, um, think like I do, like stuff that I do, and, listen, and are happy to listen to what I've got to say. I reckon the most underrated thing in marketing is, is working on marketing channels that fit with your personality. Yeah. People don't even like – that doesn't register with a lot of people. They go – they just want to look at what's going to give me the best return. What what should I do to market my business? Well, it's like people who aren't um, – who don't like social situations or aren't as social, like there's no point in putting them in a room every night no. and trying to make them network. It's if someone isn't a storyteller or doesn't like having a chat in this type of format, format don't set them up with a podcast. But if they love writing – Set them up with a blog. This is the yeah. thing. It's like, otherwise, you're just constantly trying to get blood out of a stone. Mm. And I can't write, so <laughs> I can talk. <laughs> and we've spoken about your Facebook group. Yeah, but let's just touch on that again because we've just hit 40,000 members. That For the group- listeners who don't know the background, this is the Porsche Buy and Sell Facebook group, which started as a bit of a Kim Nitschke experiment, which has yeah. evolved into a bit of a beast. So 40,000 members now, and I still have not ever put up a Facebook post of my own. I don't know how to do it. <laughs> like, that's what surprises me. You told me, me that the other day. That was just classic. I, I've never put a Facebook post up, and I've got 40,000 members in my group. I'm still the one admin person, and I have probably one person every fortnight who asks, can I be an admin? And we've got people joining now and they're going, oh, this is such a huge group. It's so easy to run. I, 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 jump, I roll out of bed at 6 o'clock in the morning. I add 200 people who join every night to the group. There's about four or five reported posts about some person who's trying to flog off some car cleaning product or whatever. Mm. And then there'll be some instant message come through during the day that'll be someone I've blocked who wants to get back into the group. I haven't been able to monetize it. This is the interesting part. I did not make one cent out of running the group, but I absolutely love it. I would do it for free for the next 10 years because every time I see a Porsche loaded on my on my site, anything to do with Porsche, it just makes me feel all happy and excited. Mm. And that's just me. And I've tried to roll it out. Like People have said, well, why don't you do this for Ferrari or Maserati or Lamborghini? But it, they just don't have the same sort of... Mm appeal for me and i think that the following on those groups is probably not as high as it is with porsche mm. porsche is quite a unique beast so that has given me so much leverage in the car space like i'm i'm trying to model myself on jeremy clarkson now so i don't know any <laughs> moved on from gary v to jeremy clarkson yeah well just in the car space yeah sure because let's face it you know i'm a property guy but number two after the most expensive purchase that you'll ever make on a house is going to be your car. So to have both of those bases covered, I think mm. is pretty good. And I like my property portfolio is going great. 
And now to be able to roll that into cars as well has really been taking it to a whole new level. Mm. Um, I don't know the first thing about cars. If they break down, I just have great mechanics that I take mm. my car to. I don't ever want to spend any time under the wood fixing stuff up. I just like driving them. I like looking at them. I like the experience of, you know, the sensation of the speed and the power mm. and all of that. And I think that's where Jeremy Clarkson's at. Like, I'm never going to be at the same level as him. But if I can be, model myself to be in the space and to be, you know, if I've got a question about how I react to a, you know, a situation that I'm in, then I'll look to what he would do in that situation. Mm. And he's, you know, everyone loves hearing what he's got to say, but he's not a mechanic, he's a journalist. Mm. But we all love watching, you know, the Grand Tour or... Mm. He's a personality. He is. Every time he's driving some car from the top of Japan to the bottom, there's some drama that takes place. And the way he describes that experience just makes you laugh, makes you so engaged. Mm. You know, and I know he's had his media problems and he's had to leave shows and everything, but look over that because that can happen in any sort of situation. But I'm finding now that I've got so much leverage. The next step in that is I'm going to approach the leading Porsche dealerships in Adelaide and tell them about what I'm doing and, 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 and my group and all the people following and see what I can do with their business, link them mm. in. Right, so that might mean grabbing one of their cars and doing a video mm. or a podcast about it to the group. How much do you know about the demographic of your users? Like, does Facebook provide you with analytics to say 60% are based in the US? Yes, I've got all of that. Yeah, because that's important to potential partners is they want to go, they want to know that if they're going to pay you to promote them, that you're actually serving up the most relevant audience for them absolutely so i've had someone who's approached me in the last two weeks about sponsoring the site i was thinking it was going to be a fortune but it was it was 100 us a month so i knocked it back because when they put their proposal forward it wasn't where i wanted to operate and i didn't want to bombard my mm-hmm. audience like i want to just gary v style again i want to build it and and you know provide that service you know jab 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 right hook mm. you know build it up to 60 80 100,000 members and then see what opportunities come across mm. my desk. But at the moment, I'm loving it. But the things that I've learned is, so I'm so passionate about the Porsche space. I know it like the back of my hand just because I'm operating, I'm looking at every ad, I'm seeing what cars are worth. It's mainly taken off in the States, not a lot in Australia, hardly any. It's almost been, um, it's, it's almost been a, tsunami, a tsunami of cars from the States has mm. sort of, squashed any potential for a market growing in Australia. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, LA is the number one place in the, in, the, in the world where 9-11s are sold. Mm. More 9-11s in LA than anywhere else. But what operating that space has, has educated me to know all of the models, what everyone's after, mm. what they're worth. So I, every night when I'm at home, I go onto eBay, Gumtree and car sales and I search through 911s. I've got on my parameters, so mm. it takes me probably 15, 20 minutes. But I will know when a car pops up that is outside of what it's worth. You know what I mean? Mm. So last year, looking back, I probably found four bargains for 911s that I could have got before the rest of the market cottoned onto it mm. just because I'm right in that space. So that's the benefit for me money, money-wise. Oh, and there's the bigger the audience, the more potential there'll be. Like I know 
um, and again, this actually wasn't on size of audience, but I know of a guy who has a cryptocurrency group in Australia and he's reportedly making $25,000 a month on member subscriptions. So he's created a group. Slightly different, he's not going for pure numbers, but he's attracting people who want premium information. So he's, attra- he's, he's got a group now where there's premium people who are obsessed with cryptocurrency. They know their stuff. They're giving advice, tips, and insights within that group that could potentially make people hundreds of thousands of dollars overnight on the cryptocurrency market. So you can see that it's lucrative. So then he capped his group at like a 1,000 people or something like that, and he charges them X amount. I mean, you're an accountant. You can crunch those numbers to get to about 25 grand a month. And that's big dollars. So you can find ways to monetize an audience. If you've got an engaged group who are sharing valuable information, which you are in a Porsche group, Mm. there's lots of potential. Everyone who's in there is wealthy, I mean, you obviously might have your uni students or whatever from Malaysia or whatever who may be just dreaming about it, but the bulk of them have actually got some sort of connection with either owning a car or buying a car. But, you know, I've learned along the way too, like, so I've blown all the competition out of the water. I think that I'm the biggest Porsche Facebook group outside of Porsche itself, which is a huge achievement Mm. from coming from ground zero. I'm looking at my competitors and I'm studying what they're doing. And the only way that I was going to lose traction was because the other sites were going to allow ads for car parts. And I'm not really interested in cars. I just wanted car parts. Mm. I just wanted cars to be put on my site. So I had to open up that community for parts. This is what I'm learning. So that people, when they see parts being posted on there, they feel more comfortable Mm. about posting cars on there. Mm -hmm. And I'm also trying to promote conversation because any question, I've got such a wealth of knowledge there. I wouldn't know anything, mm-hmm. but I've got guys who have been working in as Porsche technicians for 40 years mm. who are only too happy to give answers to any question that's ever asked about some model and some mm. part and whether it will fit and, you know, some issue that people have got. So not only is it a forum for selling cars, it's a, sell- a forum for selling parts and it's a f- discussion group on um, any technical knowledge and know-how that's needed. Like there was a massive void in that space and I've got it now. Mm. I've captured it. So that's getting so much momentum. So as soon as I opened up for car parts and discussion and not shut it down and deleted it, uh, the subscriptions went from 100 a night to 200. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. Last month, 52,000 comments wow. on the page. Like, it's just huge. Every mm. time I hear about other groups, nothing comes in comparison to that mm. and yet I still can't monetize it. <laughs> but great ride. Like, and, and if I want to take my business into the States or whatever, I've got a ready market. If I want to go and stay with people in LA, all of them want to contact mm. and hook up. If I want to catch up with Magnus Walker, who's like the guru for old Porsche 911s, you know, the guy with long hair and dreadlocks out of LA, no. he's not a member of my group, but I'll, he'll know people in there who will give me an introduction. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's so – There's always opportunity. So, many, so much opportunity there. Next part, your website, mm. which I reckon um, I knocked up for you. <laughs> well, are we still using that format? Yeah, it's still the same website that I knocked up for you. I reckon you were my very, when I went out on my own, building that site, I reckon was the first gig for my business. You never told me that. I was the guinea pig. You were the guinea pig, mate. (laughs) Absolutely. And and I grossly undercharged you. (laughs) 
Okay. So we all win. (laughs) Well, the website has been phenomenal. I always underestimated it. I think I rang you after we put up seven blogs and I said, why isn't the phone ringing off the hook? (laughs) And you said the firm that we were profiling had 700. So when you hit 700, ring me back. Yeah. Exactly. But I don't think we're anywhere near that. I think we I might have... had no online presence at that time. Well, that's, It was amazing. That's what happened was my old, my old um, website was an online brochure mm. and it had been blacklisted by Google for some reason. <laughs> so well, every time I searched it, it came up and it was there. It's just that when you did a, a generic search for an accountant yeah. or whatever, it, it was just blank. And then when we dig, dug down... And did some more research, we found that it had been blacklisted. But, you know, the website is of such a magnitude that, you know, we, we've just thrown a lot at our SEO ranking and it's to the point where my son played in a soccer group two years ago for Adelaide City and I met one of the dads on the sideline. We had a chat, like always happens, like sort of at a barbecue. And he said that he's looking for a new accountant because his old accountant had cancer and was in Sydney and he'd been looking around. And then we lost touch after that point. And it was too awkward at the end of the game to say, can I have your telephone number? So I just let it go. And then the accountant actually ended up getting sick or selling his business or whatever. So 12 to 18 months later, he was looking for me and he typed up Kim Accountant Adelaide and I was number one. Number one Kim Accountant Accountant Adelaide. As you should be. But and I got the job. He rang, came up one three hundred number, rang straight through, and it was me, and it was great. But have we gone back to where my website was before we started concentrating on improving it? I would have missed that opportunity. Mm. And there are there are a lot of stories. Like it, it's funny because it, it gets momentum and it gets momentum really quickly. And you don't know when it's going to hit that sort of tipping point. Mm. And up until that point, you're super worried that it's all been a waste of time. Because mm. it does cost money. Mm. And you're putting really good content out there, mm-hmm. but it reaches like a critical mass where you, 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 you jump up over the SEO rankings overnight. Mm-hmm. And then the phone just rings off the hook. Yep. And that's, that has almost sort of happened in the last three to four months mm. for us. People talk about SEO which is search engine optimization, like it's witchcraft. Like, you, you know, you've got to do this and do that and, you know, sprinkle a bit of dust and, um, no. you know, the, the wave the, the foot of a chicken above your computer and then all of a sudden you rank on Google. It's all about quality content. Mm. You're thinking about what Google wants. Google just wants to serve up relevant quality content to people that are searching. So if you create relevant quality content that's easy to understand easy to read adds value people click through they stay on your site to read it google's going to go okay the nichigan carry website we'll keep bumping that up the the rankings so a refs was a turning point for us which is spelled a h space r e f s where we could look at you know we, we had to specialize in a sector and then we had to look at who's winning in that space. Mm-hmm. And then we had to use the AREF's tool to actually look at which pages on their site were doing really well. And then we had to sit down and work out how we do it better. Mm-hmm. It's not that hard. A lot of the stuff that's out there that's ranking really well is not that great. Um, and, and the turning point also was rather than just saying, look, these are the issues when you're dealing with this situation, give us a call and we'll tell you. It's like 
the, the consumer now is so much more sophisticated and knowledgeable. They want ready-made answers now mm. to all of their questions in that article. And if they're there, well, then what we found is that they've got a new level of questions over and above what you've written yeah. that they'll ring you about. But they want the proof that you know what you're talking about exactly. before they pick up the phone and ring you. Yeah. You, a lot of people in professional services who I've worked with would say, oh, you know, but if I, if I write, you know, a heap of deep and insightful stuff on a blog, then I'm going to solve their problem with a blog and they're not going to call me. Rubbish. Like 99.9% of the time, a blog is not going to solve someone's problem, particularly when you're talking about a finance or a tax mm. issue or mm. like for lawyers, a legal issue. Like you're not going to read one blog and go, every situation is unique, isn't it? Yep. You know, they, they, you might give them not 70 or 80% of yep. the answers or whatever. Then they get to a point, well, this is what I've found, where it's like, oh, my situation is slightly different from that article that you wrote, but very similar. Yep. Half the time you can just help them on the phone or whatever, and you know that you've sown the seed there, and when they do have problems down the track, they'll come and see you, or they'll say, that's just the tip of the iceberg. I've got this massive mountain of mm-hmm. questions and answers that I need. Can you help me? Is it Absolutely. Mm. Um, but this whole social media thing is... Um, like, I can't speak highly enough of it. Like, my life has changed by doing it. Mm-hmm. And it's not – like, for example, I went out today to lunch with a guy who's been listening to my podcast and he just has the whole 57 on repeat and he showed me on his phone and he said – when we sat down to lunch, he said, I'm starstruck sitting to you, next to you. And I was going, this is, <laughs> this is really weird, you know. <laughs> um, but, you know, that happens and I'm always interested in – connecting with people that are listening to me and, and enjoying what I put up. So listeners, um, get in touch. Yeah, get in touch, reach out. And that's probably where it goes. But it feels like this is only just the beginning. Mm. It's going to get more and more momentum and away we go. Well, we've only been having a crack for a couple of years. And, and the hardest part is the starting part where you yep. just go ahead in faith and just keep putting it, mm-hmm. doing the work. Now I'm starting to see the results. It gets you even more motivated mm-hmm. and more inspired. All right. Well, that's a really good summary of Kim Nitschke's digital marketing learnings so far. Of course, we'll continue to keep you updated as as we learn more. But as we said, absolutely get in touch. So you can visit the Nitschke Nankaro website. All the links are in the description of this episode as well as accountinginsider.net. Thanks for listening. The Accounting Insider. This is another thing that a lot of investors are unaware of. There's got to be an easier way. With Kim Nitschke. It's cheaper for anyone. It doesn't cost anything to set up a business. Because there are many great ideas out there, but it's the people that make ideas happen. Because once you unlock this formula, there's no reason to stop. You just get better and better at it. You just make so much money out of it.